to the Ball Blast podcast recently. You know that's not our normal introduction, but Jake here uh, made this killer song. Uh, I mean, what else can we say about it? It just gives me the biggest smile. Hashtag blank Totally blank original, blank. by the way. Yes. 100% um, no original, not <laughs> borrowed from anything. Or I anything. actually uh, think I'm going to put out a copyright lawsuit on Blink-182 for infringing <laughs> on the, the kind of song vibes that we are getting. But no, this is so amazing. Jake, you said it perfectly. Like, this is the place to get your rankings. And this is the perfect song. Like, this is the perfect time for the song to drop because we just dropped... The first ever ball blast football draft kit with rankings and the like. It's such good timing. Yeah. So uh, officially, welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. That song got us a little excited, Ooh. a little off path. Uh, but you know, you're listening to the right place because guess what? It's our goal to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues and drafts are coming up. So you're going to want to listen. By the way, you do not win. I, I feel like by contrary belief, you do not win your fantasy football leagues at the draft. You cannot do that. Do not. It, it's a good start. It's a really good start. So keep listening. Uh, we're going to continue breaking down our rankings. We are going to give you our favorite picks to get you started for the 2021 season. But you need to keep listening because it you don't just win at the draft. Yes, and make sure to go check out Ball Blast Football. That's ballblastfootball.com, our website. We have some awesome articles dro- er, dropping every single day by our amazing writers. And today, like Kate brought up earlier, we had our draft guide. It released today. We've been working on that this entire summer. Our entire team has had a hand in it. Um, it's been a whole entire thing, you know, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of stressful moments, and it's dropped today. A hundred pages of fantasy football advice, telling not telling you exactly who to draft or none of that. You know what? We give you our rankings, we give you the cheat sheets, but we also give you advice on how you should be drafting, like how to find those fantasy gems later in your rounds, how to find the values, what kind of strategies to look for or, or to utilize. So go check that out on ballblastfootball.com. Go to our merch store and you can get that ball blast uh, fantasy guide for just $9.99. It's a pretty fantastic deal. Um, if you're headed over to the Fantasy Football Expo this weekend, we are giving away a Nick Chubb helmet. Yes. So make sure to come visit yes. our booth uh, and uh, enter for a chance to win that Nick Chubb signed helmet. It's pretty cool. Come say hi, guys. Uh, Jake, you are going to be at the Expo. Michelle, I'm assuming mm-hmm. you are going to be at the Expo. Possibly. I did um, book a hotel for us, so I'm hoping you'll be there. Um, very excited. I cannot wait to meet so many of you guys. I just want to give you all hugs um, and uh, virtual love and all that good stuff. It's uh, going to be a really fun time. 
A hundred percent. And uh, today we're going to be talking about our top 12 running backs for the 2021 season. Uh, before we get into that, we always have to give our shout out for our favorite review of the week. And we got a good one this week on iTunes. Uh, a, this person, uh, do we have the name of this person? Because that would be helpful. I don't think so, but Kate's going to look it up. Um, but the title of the review is Unheralded Masterpiece, which Ooh. is just, just an amazing title. And he said, or she said, come discover this fantasy gem and laugh while they mix in condemn. Great for auction or snake. Love, Michelle, Kate, and Jake. So go follow at ballblast em. Kind of a rhyme, kind of a poem there. Oh, I love That's it. That's a delightful little poem. We got a real Shakespeare, a real William Shakespeare right now. We did. So we'll shout out that person once we find the name. Uh I don't think Kate's found it yet, but that is okay. And before we jump in, you know, to our talk of the town. Which it's we'll... BJ. It's BJ. BJ. Of course it's BJ. BJ, lion emoji. Um, you're our favorite. At M-I-M-I-C-Go-Go. Mimic Go-Go. Nice. Thank you so much for your review. You made me laugh so hard when I read this review that I nearly spoke spit out a drink it's fine okay but you didn't you didn't waste it did she, you she, I don't, tell me it's no, okay I don't waste, I she don't would waste. never okay. waste that you know you guys know i like to throw trivia at you sometimes Ooh. you know just like oh, catch you yeah. off guard make you drink because you can never get trivia questions right so uh, <laughs> uh i have a question for you today because we're talking about running backs that is so rude we're talking about running backs oh, for no. the 2021 season and who we want to draft so I have a question, a trivia question surrounding around running backs. If you guys get it right, I will drink five sips. You'll get two guesses each. I'll give you two guesses each. For every guess you get wrong, you have to take three sips each. I like that Jake Gonna is get prepared. Okay. prematurely cracking his beer. So this is the question, right? Because when we're looking at production and who we think will produce, we're trying to find stats. That's to showcase that if they get more touches, they'll succeed, right? So a big stat to look at is fantasy points per touch. Because if they're they're scoring a lot of fantasy points per touch, they get more touches, then they should score a lot of fantasy points. It's that simple. So in 2020, I want to know who you think had the second most fantasy points per touch among running backs. Now, running back one was Alvin Kamara. He scored the most fantasy points per touch. What percentage of snaps played? Wait, hold on. This is my this is my qualifier. It's a hundred rushes last year. You had to have a hundred rushing attempts. I went with that, even though it's fantasy points per touch, to take out all of those people, all of those players that were only getting so many fantasy points just because of receptions. So I'm talking like an all-around running back who scored the second most fantasy points per touch last year behind Alvin Kamara. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be someone dumb, isn't it? It's gonna be somebody that I would never think of in a million years. That it's not someone and dumb. Gonna make me you're, look you're, like an idiot. It's it's not someone that okay. dumb. No, you'll be all right. Oh, uh, okay. I'm gonna say Jonathan Taylor. No, he wasn't the top six though. I was going to say okay. uh, Antonio Gibson. No, but he was in the top ten. Okay. So uh, both, we're, we're getting this narrowed down here. Drink three, six, um, Kate. Jake. At least we're both in the top ten. I feel like that's uh, that's better than usual. That's better than usual. Thank you for the compliment. <laughs> Actually, could have been said in a less condescending tone. No, there, I think, Kate, just yeah. saying any name is better than usual. She's normally like, oh, uh. I don't like being caught off guard and under pressure. 
The hundred, the hundred rushing attempts is throwing me off because I don't know if this person met it, but I'm gonna say Austin Eckler. No, but he's amazing. <sighs> I, I can say that, but no, he did not. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say Naeem Hines. No, because he didn't hit the hundred mark, but he was second. He was actually second in fantasy points per touch. If you didn't Look have at that me. minimum, rising, yeah. rising, if you guys. Do, if you did a hundred touches good. instead of a hundred carries, he would pew, be there. Pew. But the thing is, he so skewed because he gets so many receptions. All right, JD McKissick. Uh, no, Ugh. he would have been up there too. Yeah. But the thing is, he gets only receptions and no care. The only touches Leave those. Him alone. The reason I I canceled those guys out is the only touches they do get are receptions. So their fantasy points per touch is going to be pretty high. Um, but no, this player is actually DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift had the second mm. most fantasy points per touch last year behind Alvin Kamara. Wow. Yeah. So pretty good. Uh, spoiler alert, he's not in our top 12 in any of our top 12 today. So I wanted to bring that up because we might, maybe we should be a little bit worried about uh, ranking him too low for the season. Okay. Might have to reconsider some things. Yeah. All right, we're going to get into the talk of, town, talk of the town in just a second. And unfortunately, our talk of the town this week uh, talking about injuries in training camp, and we're going to grade how worried we are from one to ten. Like, is it someone we're fading in drafts because of it, these injuries, or you know, will they be back in time and we're not worried whatsoever? But before we get into that, we have to talk about our favorite online draft board. Take your league's fantasy football draft to the next level with FanDraft, the online fantasy football draft board. FanDraft makes your draft feel like the actual NFL draft with features such as streaming ticker, live draft clock, custom logos, a team walk-up song, uh, my favorite, multiple draft board displays, and more. FanDraft can be used offline for in-person drafts, like, because you know what? Do your thing in person, but also do it organized, so you're not dealing with the stupid stickers. I hate the stickers. Just uh, export the display <laughs> via projector or onto a large screen TV for the league to enjoy, um, or you can do it remotely, you know? And that's hashtag enjoy, not for your league to yeah. stumble through uh, 13 to 40 pieces of paper looking for the right sticker that nobody can keep in the right alphabetical order. A hundred percent. So this is perfect for those of you who draft in person. And then also extra perfect for those that you that have a league where everyone's across the country or, you know, sometimes they live in different countries. You can do it. We're remotely. moving next week. We have to use this. Yeah, we're going to be using it, but doing it remotely. So it feels like an in-person draft, but it's remotely on the computer, but you can boo your your league mates when they make picks or cheer them on if you want to be that type of loser. Uh, pick your walk-off songs. Like, just have a blast with it, and it's all remotely. It's the, the best way to have your drafts. But you can, all, you can do a free trial by just going to fandraft.com, um, and if you enjoy what you're seeing, level up. And use promo code BALLBLAST15 for 15% off your purchase. Again, that's BALLBLAST15 for 15% off your purchase at Fandraft.com. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Talk of the town. You're the talk of the town. Talk of the town. Let's get into the talk of the town. Unfortunately, we are now a couple weeks into training camp. And we're starting to get reports that players are getting injured. It feels like every day we get a new report. But some of them have just been, you know, cramps or they have to sit out a day or two. We have a few that seem to be a little bit more worrisome. Uh, so the guy I just brought up, DeAndre Swift, 
who scores the second most fantasy points per touch, apparently. Uh, he's missed uh, a chunk of time in training camp this year with a groin injury. Now, co- coaches are saying it's not that serious. They're just kind of being cautious with him. We saw last year, you know, it was more with the concussions, but they were very, very safe with him. Are we worried at all about this groin injury and it lingering on until September, Jake? Uh, I'm not overreacting. I'm not feeling like this is going to be a huge detriment to him. We've seen running backs especially deal with similar types of injuries in the preseason or in the offseason, I should say and come back fine, and they stay, you know, relatively healthy. So I'm not super concerned about that right now. It gives me just a little bit of an extra tingly feeling for Jamal Williams, just because maybe he gets a few extra touches as they try to do some maintenance with Swift. You do love Jamal Williams. I love him. He's the best. (laughs) And if you've not seen him, like, on Twitter or in his interviews, just do yourself a favor. Give yourself a treat. Watch some Jamal Williams interviews. They're the best. Save it for a bad day, though. Like, save it for a day where you need a pick-me-up. I would say, like, go in, favorite some of these videos, and then when you are having this god-awful day that you need to escape and you don't know how, be like, oh, I have those Jamal Williams videos. Go back and listen to him talk about SpongeBob. He is so funny, (laughs) and he is such a character. He's so enjoyable, and you realize why the coaching staff always falls in love with him. Are you worried about DeAndre Swift? Yes. Okay, why? Uh, I was already worried about DeAndre Swift, and I'm going to make a point to talk about that Like once we actually get into our segment. I'm definitely but, the highest on him among the three. And I think that's fine. Um, I think he's got a very high ceiling, especially considering uh, just the fact that, I mean, he is essentially the de facto wide receiver, too, on the team. Um, we've heard nothing but reports about, like, speaking of injuries – the Detroit Lions, have you ever seen that gif of, um, or that that scene in, uh, what's that show? Um, in West Philadelphia, born in... Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince. Oh my God, I couldn't think of it. Um, the scene in Fresh Prince where Will Smith is standing in the, the room alone. That's Jared Goff trying to find receivers in training camp. There's <laughs> nobody there. Nobody is there. Everybody is injured. Rashad Perryman, injured. Terrell Williams, injured. Why? What's wrong with Perryman? They're all banged up. I didn't. They've all they've all left practices with injuries, and that's a concern. Now you have DeAndre Swift leaving practice at not even not even leaving practice, but he's just not practicing. They said he's gotten in very limited reps uh, within the training camp period, and I do think that when you're with a new quarterback, like this is the time. It's not like he's a seasoned vet. It's not like he's been in the league uh, nine years like a Julio Jones. He's He's still a second-year running back. I won't be worried. They're about, valuable reps. I won't be really worried about any of these injuries until we get uh, closer to September. You uh, don't think these reps with a new quarterback are valuable, especially when his asset is not as a running back. When we saw him be fine uh, last year with no offseason, really, um, like running backs that, that type. Of, I would be more worried if he was a wide receiver. Like we'll get into this later, but like Rashad Bateman, you're entitled to your potential. He act, he had a severe groin injury. Severe, I don't I don't really know how severe it was, but he's at least going to miss 3 weeks, right? He's going to miss a few weeks. Um 
he's had no time with Lamar Jackson. He's actually already missed three full practices before this. Left practice early a couple times before with different types of injuries. He's just had trouble staying on the field. And now with this groin injury, he's going to miss three weeks. He's had about one total day with Lamar Jackson in practice. And it's worth noting, Lamar Jackson was on the COVID-19 list. So Co- or Lamar Jackson missed... Uh, I believe it was eight or nine total practices in training camp, which is like, that's the bulk of your training camp, honestly. And then you look back, he is a rookie. Um, This is an offense that's trying to boost up their passing game. I'm super concerned about Rashad Bateman. I already had him ranked pretty low. It's not about the talent. It's about the offense. And Marquise Brown, who's also been out with a hamstring, but... We'll, we'll see what happens with him. He had 29% of the target share last year, which is really, really high. 29% of the target share Marquise Brown had. If that even goes down to what? Drop 7%, which would be a massive drop. He's taken 22%. Mark Andrews has taken at least 22%, probably more than that. And Sammy Watkins has been getting great reviews. He's going to take probably at least 15 to 20%. Like, there's not a whole lot to go around. And when you're saying 20%, it's like, that's in that type of offense that's maybe 100 targets like that would be lucky um I didn't really want Rashad Bateman before this I think he's talented hate the offense that he's in uh what about you Jake yeah just it's a bummer I mean as a rookie wide receiver it is so important to get every rep that you can and this just makes me wonder if that offense as a whole is going to take the step forward and be able to become more of a passing offense like they say they want to it's tough when you don't have your receivers there available to, to make that happen. So I wonder if that stalls out a little bit and we see a little bit more rushing from Lamar Jackson. So are you drafting Rashad Bateman? Let's say... No. Okay. Okay. So In just redraft, no. please. I, I <laughs> In redrafts, I just can't do it now. Yeah, because likely you're going to be drafting the last week of August... Um, or maybe the first week in September, but he might not even be back at practice at that point. That's really, really hard to spend a draft pick on. Now he is going late, so it's not going to be that big of a deal if you did. It's just like, I probably want to take my shot on Terrace Marshall out of the Carolina Panthers, who's getting good reviews. Or just draft Mark Andrews, who you know is literally the team's wide receiver one. Marquise Brown. Mm. No, I mean Mark oh, Andrews. Well, in the yeah, I mean that's I mean, a little bit different of ADP. You know, you got to take Mark Andrews in the fifth round. I was talking more like instead of Rashad Bateman in the thirteenth round, take a shot on a different rookie uh, to give you that upside, mm. or a different just player in general. It doesn't have to be a rookie. Moving on, our boy Zach Moss hurt his hamstring. There's not really a lot of news about it besides they're taking it day by day. Um, it could be nothing. It could be something. Uh, the Bills depth chart just came out. It's just, you know, people in the PR writing it. It's not the team submitting it. But Devin Singletary is still the RB1 on the depth chart. It's just like, I don't, I love Zach Moss so much, but I'm just, every day I just get less enthusiastic that he's actually going to get the workload he needs to break out. So my soul's dying inside. I think, and no. this injury does not make me happy. It doesn't make me happy, but I will say if you are looking, if you're keeping uh, your hand on the heartbeat of like Bill's training camp, you should be very encouraged by the reports coming out. I was, and then he got a hamstring injury. I know. Um, But I will say like, so rather than a week to week injury, they're saying they're taking it day by day, which I think is much more encouraging, especially for a second year player. Um, 
like that news I'm less worried about because it does sound like he was making really big strides within training camp. It sounds like he was finally starting to sort of make that separation between him and Devin Singletary. I'll say the latest report I read before the stupid injury was that Zach Moss was clearly the best running back in camp and Devin Singletary actually looked like the fourth best running back on the team behind Matt Breda and behind Antonio Williams. They said Devin Singletary just looks like he should actually be cut instead of Antonio Williams. That seems a bit harsh. They said like they know what he provides and it's not much. He's small. He's not a good pass blocker. He's not a very good runner and they have other better pass catchers. Did you write this report? I like Devin Singletary. (laughs) (laughs) I I personally like him. But I was starting to get really like really like oh this might be the year for Zach Moss and then he has to go hurt himself again like just stay healthy oh my goodness anyways Darren Waller has missed eight straight days of training camp practice but uh, per Kate it's not injury related it might not be re- injury related she has some inside uh, sources and per he's fine. source. Uh, it sounds like I don't think there's a lot to worry about from a fantasy perspective. I cannot say more per source, but I do think that we should be okay by week one for our fantasy teams. He might be a little bit banged up, but I think we're going to be okay. And but I, he's also not banged up whatsoever, so you're I fine. would not let this news uh, worry you for your fantasy teams. If this like forces Darren Waller into the third round of your fantasy drafts, if this provides you a window of opportunity to trade for him, in your dynasty leagues, do it. Do it now. Listen to this podcast. Do it now. And thank me in week one. All right. Now, that's talk of the town. There's been other injuries, but I think these are the big four. Allen Robinson kind of is dealing with a hamstring injury as well. As long as, like, he doesn't need practice reps, he's, he's fine. Like, if he's back within the next few weeks, we don't have to worry about it at all i would much rather that they just let him sit for the next three weeks let that hamstring completely heal don't push him there's no reason to do it and alan robinson will be completely fine so now let's jump into our running back rankings for the 2021 season and let me say our first three could not be more boring i mean we are (laughs) identical from one to three not even like different order or anything y'all couldn't have shaken it up a little no i mean christian mccaffrey is our clear-cut running back one and i'm guessing is he like jake is he your 101 in drafts or would you take a wide receiver or tight end over him not at not a chance I'm risking taking anybody besides CMC with the 101 pick there. Yeah. If he falls to you at 102 somehow, you should get down on your knees and, and thank the heavens that You that should call 911 because you just committed a robbery. He's so stinging good. He just, like, he just averages, <laughs> like, th- he scores 30 points every time he's on the stupid field. He did it last year again. Like, he's amazing. And any running back can get hurt any given year. Like, I'm not worried about his injuries from last year. He's going to kill it this year. Kate, I'm guessing he's your 101 among all positions as well. Absolutely. He is the 101 in fantasy. I don't think there's anybody that has a higher ceiling, but I also don't think there's anybody that 
when on the field has a safer workload. I want people to go back. If you had him in 2019, if you did not have him, I did because he was my 101 in 2019. <clears throat> Humble brag. Yeah, it really worked out. I got a lot of hate for that for some odd reason. Um, That's bizarre. But it was a absolute cheat code. You just won every stinking week because you had Christian McCaffrey. And when you were going against the team with Christian McCaffrey, you knew you were going to lose. Like, that's it. And that... Now, then you could get him in the second round, so you still had your first round pick, not taking him at the 101. But you could not get him at the 101 last season. No, 2019, I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Or, yeah, sorry. I was going to say he was still the 101 last no, season. No, no, no. I'm talking about 2019, okay. not 2020. So, like, just take him. Don't overthink it. And uh, he's going to be amazing for your team. And if I got to pick my spot, because people ask that, like, if you got to pick your spot, where do you want to pick? I want to pick at the 101. It sounds stupid. It sounds lame, but I want the 101. I want CMC. No questions asked. Moving on to our running back two, again, all the same, Dalvin Cook. Uh, Why, Jake, are you going with Dalvin Cook over Alvin Kamara, who Alvin Kamara was the RB1 last year? I love Kamara. Uh, this group here, this top three, it's, I mean, really, it's CMC in a tier of his own. And then it is Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. If you wanted to go Kamara here, I would have zero issues with that. I just think Dalvin Cook gives you even more of an edge when he is on the field. And you do have to bake that in because he has not played a full season. And yeah, there's a good chance he could miss a couple of games. But the tremendous upside that he has in that offense, which basically runs through him, is magical. Alvin Kamara, of course, boosted by his six-touchdown game last year, so we do have to account for that. If that came down a little bit, these guys would basically be neck and neck. 1,000%. That six-touchdown game should be thought of as like, all right, it's amazing he has that upside, right? And I, I do think the difference between Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara is maybe the ceiling in any given week because Dalvin Cook is never going to really see 10 targets in a game. Like, it's just not going to happen, and Alvin Kamara could see that. But their floor is completely different for me. So when you're looking at percentage of bus games, so running back 25 or worse uh, in that given week, uh, Dalvin Cook only has 4% of his games as bus weeks over the last two seasons. By the way, CMC has 5%. So he has 1% less than CMC. Uh, and then wow. Kamara has 17%, which is still the third best. Uh, but it's, uh, what, 13% difference. So Dalvin Cook is just so incredibly consistent and safe and can score a lot of points every single week. And do you know why? Why? Because the Minnesota Vikings, in the last six seasons, they have literally ranked outside of the top eight rushing attempts in the league twice what are four out of the last six seasons they have ranked top eight in rushing attempts uh three of those seasons they have ranked top five or higher they run the ball they run it very efficiently there's a lot of points to be scored there and i mean that's that's how they want to run their offense I, they want to run a control the clock kind of offense and it works well for them it works well for kirk cousins i and there's not a lot of running backs that are left in the NFL that rarely get taken off the field. Like, it's CMC, it's Dalvin Cook, it's kind of Ezekiel Elliott, even though Tony Pollard gets in at times, and Derrick Henry, right? Like, there's not a whole else, a lot of other people who don't don't get taken off the field for others. So, it's, Dalvin Cook is the clear two. And he's a good, he's a very capable receiver. Yeah. 
and just a touchdown solid, score. Period. Is he our 102 in drafts or a wide receiver over him or what? No, I think with, with Cook and with Kamara, however you personally decide to rank them, I'm still not going to probably take them second overall because I do value um, my upside at the one wide receiver guy that I have, which I will save until the next episode. Mm. But I actually do think that there's a significant drop there from them to these guys. Oh, so you uh, want to take If you're feisty, I don't think I would. I, I, 103, it's an absolute lock. For either of them. But okay. 102, I, I think that I'm starting to pivot towards a wide receiver. Oh, wow. I would not. Yeah. Uh, that's very interesting. I cannot wait to hear Hashtag what you're going to say. Take. Uh, I would <laughs> definitely take Dalvin Cook. Now, I can see at the three getting cute, but I, I still at the two. I got to take my Dalvin Cook there. At, at our RB3, again, this is where it ends, though. This is where we, we have all the same at three, but after that, we're all different. Uh, Alvin Kamara is our third, and I feel like... That might be a shocker to most because this offseason, a lot of people have started to get off of Alvin Kamara because we saw him not perform quite as well with Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill might be the starter this year. Um, I Even got me. I've been very low on Alvin Kamara. I've been very vocal on this very podcast about Alvin Kamara, but circumstances change. And let this be a reminder. We need to be flexible through the offseason. We cannot stick to our takes. There's just so much receiving upside for Alvin Kamara. I I still haven't projected him beyond uh, 900 rushing yards, still. Uh, don't project him getting there anytime soon. He's just not, he's not a thousand yard rusher and that's okay. But the fantasy football goal does lie in his ability as a receiver. And the fact that right now, Mark Marquez Callaway is looking at like wide receiver one potential. For for the roster for the offense, and that's that's not good, folks. Uh, Marquez Callaway was undrafted, um, and has very little NFL experience. Did not do a ton his rookie season. He's gotten some hype, uh, but there should be so much opportunity for Alvin Kamara as a receiver, especially considering the Michael Thomas injury. And we haven't even talked about the fact that he has some team drama, like. Yeah. No, we don't need Who knows? No, who cares? Uh, but Kamara, right? Last year scored 21 total touchdowns. Are we worried now with Drew Brees retired, with Taysom Hill in as a starter, or possibly Jameis Winston, that there's not going to be as many scoring opportunities? We did see just in 2019, now he missed two games, but still played 14 games. He only had six total touchdowns the year before. That was 18. But it went from 18 to 6 to 21. Could we see it somewhere in the middle of 6 and 21? Like if he drops down to 12 touchdowns, we might be very disappointed as fantasy managers taking him as the RB3 or at the 103 especially. I don't know if we'd be disappointed necessarily. I mean, based on your expectation from last year sure I, you know it's not going to be what you want you want those touchdowns there but he's going to be that 100 target guy almost every year because he has to be and especially this year more than ever like we're talking about because there's nobody there but it does bum me out to think that yeah Taysom Hill could end up being the starter and he's going to vulture those scoring opportunities from Kamara he shouldn't uh, because he's proven himself to be amazing uh, even as a goal linebacker. So, but I, I just think the safety is too hard to pass up there. 
But that quarterback conundrum is why I can't put him number two. I would like to say for anybody who has not like looked up Alvin Kamara's receiving stats and seen season by season what he does, he has never had fewer than 97 targets in his four NFL seasons. He had three consecutive seasons of exactly 81 receptions. That is so beautiful and consistent. He did have 83 receptions, so gash darn it, he broke uh, he broke his consistency <laughs> metrics for the better in 2020. It, like, the receiving floor is just so safe. I love it. Yeah, it is really safe. And I, I think it, it does come down to the touchdowns a little bit if he's worth that third overall. But, I, yeah, I don't think he's going to disappoint too much. And the whole Taysom Hill thing, it did, like, the first two weeks with Taysom Hill, it was rough, right? Like, he wasn't getting the targets. But after that, the last two weeks with Taysom Hill, they got Alvin Kamara back in that game plan. They're like, we have to utilize our best player. And he was targeted plenty. They figured it out. So I do believe with a whole offseason, if, if their plan is to go with Taysom Hill, uh, Kamara will be heavily, heavily involved in the offense. So I think he's fine there at three. And it really just comes down to after that, there's a lot of players just have a – a lot of risks like they're they all have question marks kind of in a way so uh, you know Kamara seems like the safest bet there moving on to number four this is where we all kind of differ right I have Austin Eckler at my RB4 which I know a lot of people are not going to like uh Jake has Saquon Barkley which I think is super fair if you told me right now Saquon Barkley is fully healthy but he's gonna play all year um from week one and they're not gonna hold him back yeah, you might even put him over Kamara. And then Kate has Najee Harris, <laughs> RB4. That, Woo! I think, is even spicier than my Austin Eckler. So, Jake, let's get to yours first, because this seems like the most reasonable running back to hey. have before. I have <laughs> I have him at RB5, so I'm not far behind you. And Kate has him at RB12. So let's talk Saquon Barkley here, because 4 to 12 is a massive jump. Jake, you give us your reason. I don't want to get hurt. Jake, you give us your reason why he's four. Kate will give her reason why he's 12. Let's do this thing. I'm so ashamed of Kate right now. I've never felt this level of shame towards a person, I don't think, <laughs> in my adult life. But here we are. Uh, the thing with Saquon is uh, no, I, I did have him lower prior to the news that he is now back off pup. And it does look like he is on pace to be out there week one. And yes, they could manage his workload, I guess, hypothetically, the first couple of games. Uh, but we've also heard that said about other running backs who have gone through a similar issue before. And I feel like that's oftentimes just the coach like acknowledging, like we're, we're being careful, don't worry. Uh, but the thing with Saquon that is always so impressive, we're talking about Alvin Kamara and his targets. Um, and basically hitting 100 targets every season that he's been here. And that is exactly what Saquon is likely to do this year, especially with Kenny Galladay now. Like, I don't know what's happening with him and that injury, which is a whole nother cluster. We didn't even mention him in the injury section of this podcast. Because uh, I don't even know what's happening. He's going to be fine. It's so weird. But in any case, and he's the kind of spiteful guy, like he'll sit out half a season just because he wants to, and he'll blame it on an injury, probably. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, his, his rookie season, which of course was the magic season, 120 targets, that's insane. He was on pace for 90 targets in his second season. 
And of course, last year we just got robbed of Saquon. And I think that that sticks in everybody's brain so hard. It's like, it's tough. It's tough to acknowledge, even though with CMC, he was also injured last year, but I think we're more willing to forgive because we know what the upside is. And Saquon just, I don't think he has CMC upside, which is kind of crazy to say. But I also think that he's the most likely to compete with him for that number one spot. Even though I don't think he would get it, I think he's the only person who can even compete. Uh, 100%. And I'm, I'm going off the cuff here. And when we're talking about running backs that have averaged over 20 fantasy points per game in their career since 2017, it's CMC, it's Saquon Barkley, and it's Alvin Kamara. Like, those are the only three. So when Saquon Barkley is on the field healthy, he's going to be fantastic for you. And that's why I have him at five. Because I am a little bit worried about the injury. I'm a little bit worried. Not even not even that he's going to get re-injured or anything like that. Because that can happen with any running back. Like, I don't, I don't want to put that on him. Uh, it's just, like, I'm worried that they're going to slowly use him. And that it's going to be a very bad offense again. And there's not going to be a lot of scoring opportunities. So, you're really, really going to have to rely on those targets. And they did add Kenny Galladay. They added Kadarius Toney in the first round. Sterling Shepard apparently looks amazing. You know, just training camp reports. We all look amazing. Yeah, and they still have Darius Slayton. <laughs> they still have Evan Ingram, who got 100 targets last year. Like, they have a lot of players. I'm just a little bit worried about Saquon Barkley's target share, which I still believe he'll get 70-plus. But if he's not scoring the touchdowns, he's going to have to get those targets. Uh, you'd like to see closer to 100 then if he's not scoring close to 8, 10 touchdowns. I'm just a little bit worried about this offense. That's why I put him behind Kamara and Eckler, but he should be fantastic as long as he's playing. Kate, why do you have him at 12? Oh. <laughs> I don't really feel like talking about this right now, um, just solely for the fact that I do not want to get destroyed on this podcast. Um, like, I, I love Saquon Barkley. I love watching him play football. I think he's a really fun guy to root for. But despite the fact that he is being activated off the pup, I still have concerns just with the overall narrative. Like, I've been following the the language that the coaching staff has been using with Saquon Barkley, and it's overly cautious. Like, I, I want to give you guys some context. So, like, obviously, no two injuries are the same in uh, really any facet whatsoever, but... Uh, look at a guy like Joe Burrow, tore his ACL and I believe his MCL. It was a really messy, uh, messy knee injury week 11. And they advanced him much more quickly than they did Saquon Barkley. Uh, the, the training staff seems to be taking a very cautious approach. And I'm not saying that this is a, a long-term concern for him. Um, obviously, like you can have long-term uh, ramifications from knee injuries. That's not a question. Um, it's just a question of how quickly they are going to give him 16 rushing attempts per game. Cause I don't see that in the realm of possibility within the first three weeks of the season. And I think if you're going to draft him as a top five running back, I need you to come out of the gate hot. And I don't know that he will. Um, we've already seen from Joe Burrow, like it, again, no injuries are the same, but uh, in general, we see from plenty of players that uh, overcoming injury is not necessarily just a physical thing. 
It is about overcoming the, the mental aspect of getting hit again. He is a NFL running back. Like there is no position that gets just torn apart more than the NFL running back. And uh, I, I do, I just worry about the whole situation, but um, it, overall the narrative around Saquon Barkley has been very cautious and wanting to make sure that they're doing the right things to keep him healthy the whole year. And I don't necessarily think that while that's uh, good for their NFL roster, I don't think that's good for our fantasy rosters. Okay. That's fair. So you're mostly just fading him due to risk. And I understand that. It's it's due to risk, but it's also due to just the fact that I, I don't see him being a touch monster out of the gate. Now, he's a guy that I might be willing to send some offers for around week three, four, because mm. he could be a league winner. But I think he's going to hurt you if you are the one that drafts him in the first or second round. All right, so that's Saquon Barkley uh, to get to the rest of our RB4s. Uh, I have Austin Eckler, and I've said this all offseason long, so I'm not going to hit on it long. But, you know, like I just want to – I don't want people to think this is a crazy take. Like, I'm not trying to just be crazy. Uh, he just scores a lot of points when he's on the field. Since 2019, <laughs> Eckler has averaged 22 fantasy points per game in games that he has five or more targets. And you might say, well, that's random to say. But it's like – Guys, he always has five or more targets in games. Eckler has the third most games with five-plus targets among all running backs over the last two seasons. That's 17 games, and he missed nearly the half of a season last year. So he's third most, and he missed, uh, you know, half of a season in 2020. Eckler had 48 targets just in the weeks after he returned from injury last season, weeks 11 through 17, which is a pace for 136 targets for f- full 17 games. That's better than lots of wide receivers. <laughs> yeah. Like Eckler <laughs> is a wide receiver that you get to plug into a running back spot. And what's so awesome is during weeks through weeks 11 through 17, the Eckler. Does she think I said Alexa instead of Eckler? (laughs) 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 All right, you ready? (laughs) Ready? Why are you laughing so hard at that? She's so funny. She always puts her nose in her business. What I love the most about this is weeks 11 through 17, like I just said, when he came back from injury, he was the RB8 during that stretch. And during that stretch, he had zero rushing touchdowns. And he never had more than 15 carries in a game during that stretch. That's incredible. That's just the best part because he's the clear-cut best running back on this team headed into 2021. So he should definitely see an increase in rushing attempts if he's healthy and even goal line work. But it doesn't really matter if he doesn't because it's the receiving work we care about. And that's really all that matters because it makes up for all the lack of touchdowns. It makes up for the carries. And God forbid, he does get touchdowns on the ground and he does get extra carries. Like he's going to be an absolute beast. At that point, then he has the RB1 uh, potential if CMC were to go down. Basically, that's the only way CMC is going to lose out. But like, let's not forget Austin Eckler was the RB4 overall in 2019. Like it... it it can happen, guys. Like, I, I don't know why it seems like such a hot take to say Austin Eckler is a top five running back when he just is when he is playing. 
that's just it's just what he is. So he's my RB4. Uh, I'm fine with taking him over Elvin Kamara, actually. But Elvin Kamara just seems safer to me to score touchdowns, at least. So that's why I'm siding with Elvin as my three. So that's my Austin Eckler take. You guys have him much lower. You have him at seven. And oh, actually, Kate has him at six, and Jake has him at seven. So I, I do think that's fair, and I'm sure so much lower than four. I, I'm sure I know it's outrageous how much yeah. lower we have him than Michelle does. <laughs> I will say, I actually almost did put him at six. The honestly, the rushing attempts, though, it's like, oh man, I know he doesn't need them, but it makes me feel so much safer to always see somebody get that baseline. You know, like hundred plus rushing attempts coming up with like four rushing touchdowns it's like well i can't even bank on that with that clerk and that's the only reason that i have him a little bit lower that's fair that's right and kate to end out our rb4 Najee harris give us a quick reason i know you like i've been talking about austin eckler all offseason you've been talking about Najee harris uh rb4 is really 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 high I mean, I have him at RB9, which I feel like is very optimistic as a rookie running back. Jake has him at RB11, which I think is fair, behind the offensive line. You have him at RB4. RB4 over guys like Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler. Um, Tell us. Tell us your reasonings. I've literally tried to bump him down. (laughs) Like... (laughs) <laughs> I want you guys to know the effort that I put in uh, to bumping him down. So, like, uh, to give you guys some insight on the process, like, first off, I'll do my, like, team projections. But obviously I realize, like, the way that I project these players to finish by the end of the season isn't necessarily the order which you draft them in because you want to account for values. You want to account for all of that. But Najee Harris is a guy that I think is being too closely drafted to the top end of your drafts. And I think literally the realm of possibilities is so, so wide for him, but the the potential is so high. Um, We're looking at a Steelers team who, again, historically loves utilizing a workhorse running back. We're uh, looking at an offense who likes to throw to the running back position. And uh, we're looking at a former, apparently converted wide receiver in Najee Harris. He's a very capable wide receiver. But uh, the thing that I think is really telling, like coming out of the gate in the Hall of Fame game, literally a meaningless nothing game, the team wants him on the field and he wants to be on the field. He's pushing for reps. Um, I mean, the the words coming out of camp like can't really describe his work ethic and uh, the amount of time and effort that he's putting into like just all of his skills from blocking uh, rushing, receiving across the board. Um, everything's Everything sounds right for him, but uh, I think the most interesting thing is just in the preseason, there seems to be no, uh, no regard for wanting to limit his touches. They want to have him touch the ball at all times. And I, as a fan, do not like that. I do not want to see him get all these reps, but they want him on the field. And I think that says so much, just them wanting to make him a three down back. That's what this organization likes to do. That's what they drafted him to do. They've already come out and said that. Um, I feel like he's already becoming the face of this organization and he was literally just drafted three months ago. Like, I think he is just such a lock for the touch load. I think he's got the receiving upside. Uh, You know he's going to get many, many, many goal line carries. 
Um, you don't have to worry about a threat of a rushing quarterback stealing those, uh, you know, some of those rushing attempts. There's no threat in terms of competition in Kate the backfield. Kate was like, I'm not going to talk about Najee Harris on this podcast because I've been talking about him too much. And I'm like, Kate, you have one minute to talk about him. And she's like, let me go on for 10 plus minutes. No, it, I mean, it, like I told you, I didn't want to talk about yeah, him anymore. Okay. No, no, so, no. I, guys, I do want to say, I, I, I told Michelle, don't ask me about Najee yeah, Harris. Okay. I learned my lesson. Uh, so you have an RB4, which I do think is too high. I love me some Najee Harris. I have him at nine. I'm very happy. Remember when Everybody said I had Derrick Henry too. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I, I'll be happy to draft him at the end of the first round, early second round. I feel better in the second. You won't draft him in either of those spots because I will already have drafted yes. him. Uh, my biggest Boom. worry is about efficiency, which I, I think he's going to get the volume that it makes it up, and I think he's going to get so many scoring opportunities in that offense. James Conner had three matter. point. Or sorry, four point three yards per carry. Yes, I know. I in know. the worst offense ever, and the, honestly, like. So when we say the Steelers have the worst offensive line, they have like the most unknown offensive yeah, line. They you have the, no idea what they're going to do. It's the worst offensive line. Um, Kendrick Green. I just my biggest issue is when I look at the people above him that I have ranked. Like I can't put him over those guys. It has nothing to do with Najee Harris. It's just I can't put him over him. Now Jake, you have. Um, I think that's really silly. You have him at eleven, and you have an interesting player over him, which we'll get to in a little bit later. And I'll ask you. We'll get into that. I'll ask you the difference between those two once we get there. Uh, moving on, though, our RB five. Now we already talked about my Saquon Barkley. I have him ranked at RB five. Jake has Aaron Jones, your boy Packers fan over there. Kate has Jonathan Taylor. So she's the highest on Jonathan Taylor out of this group. You're the highest on Aaron Jones out of this group. I have Aaron Jones at RB7. Kate has him at RB8. So we're still big fans. With Jonathan Taylor, you have him, Jake, at RB8. I have Jonathan Taylor at RB10. So let's get into Aaron Jones first. Jake, what makes you rank Aaron Jones over a guy like Derrick Henry? What I'm so smitten with, with Aaron Jones, oh, is that. knowing, right? I like to be smitten with players from time word. to time. Oh, and I'm smitten with Aaron Jones because a lot like Austin Eckler, he has the efficiency down. And, and it's not a touches game with him. And you don't have to worry that he's going to see 300 rushing attempts and he needs, you know, 100 some targets to, to make his hey he doesn't need that he's never needed that my hesitation all along this offseason has been what if Aaron Rodgers is not there now that he is there I'm back to feeling very comfortable with him at the top of this tier now I have basically five guys in this tier and he sits at the top um, and I know AJ Dillon's there and maybe he sees a little bit more rushing work than Jamal Williams did last year fine great give it to him I want the targets that Jamal Williams got last year, which are all going basically to Aaron Jones. Again, what he can do with those is so much more than what a Nick Chubb or somebody can do with the same target. So um, I'm, I'm all about that. And I think he maintains basically his touchdown marks from last year too. Uh, in 2019, he had that outrageous number. I think it was like 15 rushing touchdowns, 16 rushing touchdowns. And then we're all waiting for the other shoe to drop last year. And it dropped all the way down to like nine. And I think that's basically what you can lock him in for again this year. So I feel very comfortable that offense is going to hum all year long. So give me that piece. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Jones just seems like a really He safe... seems very safe. Yes, he's like mm -hmm. probably one of the safest uh, 
running backs that you can rank in your top 12 because he's a lock. Yeah, he just feels really, really safe. Like he, he feels like a really good pick in your first round because you know he's not going to bust, right? The only way he's going to bust is if he gets hurt. Um, and that's really a, a nice pick to make. So I'm totally with you there at five. I have him at seven um, just because I've, you know, I have Austin Eckler at four, Saquon at five, uh, and then Zeke at six, which we'll get to in a second. But then I do have Aaron Jones, and I'm fine with taking Aaron Jones over Zeke. I'm fine with taking him over Barkley, actually. And I'm honestly fine if you want to talk me into taking him over Eckler. Like, Aaron Jones is just so incredibly safe. I, I, I totally agree with your ranking there. I think that's completely fine. Uh, and then, Kate, you're the highest on Jonathan Taylor. Now, I think the bigger story here is why are Jake and I lower, right? Like, Jake has him at 8. I have him at 10. I think we can all agree we love Jonathan Taylor's talent. Like, he's one of my favorite running backs in the league. Loved him coming out. And I think he's going to be amazing this year. So I'm kind of confused by my rankings. I just can't get him <laughs> above these other guys. What is worrying you, Jake, um, to put him below Eckler and Aaron Jones and players like that? Um, I will say I've gotten some reassurance from the fact that it seems like Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson are on track to be out there early. And with that injury time frame we were initially given, we didn't know. We didn't know how many weeks they would actually be missing. So them potentially being back week one does make me feel like maybe I'm a little low. It's the only reason I even dropped him a couple of spots. Uh, I did have him at RB6 once upon a time, and now I'm wondering if I just need to go ahead and make that adjustment again. The only real concern I guess I have is maybe um, Naeem Hines and Marlon Mack could potentially still come in and leech more work than we actually want them to. I know not everybody is a bell cow. Um, Frank Reich has apparently come out and said he wants him to be a little bit more of a bell cow this year. What does that mean, Frank? <laughs> like, call him a bell cow or call him nothing because that, that is confusing as hell. But um, outside of that, I don't have legitimate concerns. It's just I kind of like these other guys a teeny bit more. Yeah, and I, I do think if the injuries are completely – like, if Quentin Nelson comes back – and he's ready to go week one, and Carson Wentz is ready to go week one. Like, yeah, I should probably move him up a little bit. But, again, like, uh, who am I moving up above? Because I, I like Najee Harris a lot. Like, I can see those two, like, tied, basically, um, with the reason why I like Najee Harris a little bit better, because I have Najee at 9, Jonathan Taylor at 10, is because of the scoring opportunities. I just think the Steelers' offense in general is better. Now, there's less competition for targets, I, I guess, in the Colts' Back, or um, just in the offense. But, but I would then say at the also same time, there's less competition yeah, for touches in, in the Steelers. Yeah, and less competition in the backfield for targets because there is no Naheem Hine with the Steelers. And I just think the Steelers did are going to... Did you just say Naheem Hine? Hine yeah. Singular? Yeah, I think I did. There's only Naeem one Hine. Hine. Just the one Hine. <laughs> yeah. I just think they're going to, the Steelers are going to be around the goal line so much more. And when the Steelers get to the goal line, they run. They even did it with James Conner. They try to do it with Benny Snell, who... Couldn't get an inch if he tried for his fuck his, for his life. No, James Conner is a pretty good goal line back. Yeah, though. he is, and Najee Harris will be as well. So that's the only reason I have him above that. And then, like, I can't put him above Derrick Henry. I can't put him above Zeke. So, Kate, you're the only one that put Jonathan Taylor above Derrick Henry. Like, explain that. Explain yourself. How can Jonathan Taylor be ranked above Derrick Henry? All right. Have you I've, fallen out of love with Derrick Henry? Is that's what's happening? Yeah, oh, what's no. going our on? Love, our love burns eternally, folks. 
I will always be a Derrick Henry truther and a believer. I love Derrick Henry, the running back, so much. But I have said this before. So my projections for Derrick Henry this year did slant downward for the first time in two years. Like, I had had him on an upward trajectory. He uh, apparently just hit the stratosphere this offseason. Um, I do think that the addition of Julio Jones does shift something for me. And I look at, I keep going back to what the Bills did last season. Once they added Stephon Diggs, who was a true wide receiver one, an alpha wide receiver one who was commanding a, a voluminous target share, right? Like, I don't think A.J. Brown, we've never looked at him as like a volume guy. Julio Jones is the kind of guy that you target seven to eight times per game. More minimum. Than that, yeah. yeah. Like that's that's what you trade for when you get Julio Jones. And Julio Jones is such a um it, he's a wide receiver that tires out defenses. Like uh you can do that to him similar to how you run a running back into the ground. That's what you could do with Julio Jones. He just uh, he wrecks opposing cornerbacks. Like he's amazing. Um I do think that is going to start to shift even if very slightly. I think they are going to you know, start to see that slight lean towards the pass. I think they're going to utilize both A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. You have to start thinking about Derrick Henry and his touch totals. I mean, we're getting to the point in his NFL career where you just paid him a lot of money. You need to start thinking about his overall touch totals, the the amount of contact that you're giving to opposing defenses, just with all of that, I projected Derrick Henry with slightly less volume. And when I say slightly less, like he's still um, a lock for 1,500 rushing yards in my rankings. But I do think that he's not a lock as a receiver, which we all know, even though I think whenever he's utilized there, he does well. Jonathan Taylor is a guy that I think we saw him almost at his floor um, he felt like he was useless to us in the first uh, like six weeks of the season ahead of their bye last season. He had one game in that span with fewer than 13 fantasy points. And he felt like he was completely destroying our rosters, it which was is crazy. more about the weeks in the middle when he had after the bye where it was five points, 11 points, five Those points. were tough. But then it, he finished the season very, very strong, I think. Um, he came on as an absolute workhorse. But despite all of those like rough weeks and all of those question marks, he still finished as an RB1, 40% of his starting games. He finished the season so strongly. Uh, RB1 in almost all of his weeks active, uh, eleven weeks 11 on. And, I, I, I mean, again, there's no real competition for receptions they did show willingness to target him last season um i think if you have any of these quarterbacks you're going to need to utilize your running backs you can't just use naeem hines over and over again they're gonna get him involved period i, I will say i have Derek he Henry. was the rb5 last okay. season leave no, me alone no, he was not he, yes um, he was <laughs> no he was the rb6 oh wow uh wow in your face well derrick henry was rb3 so that's why i'm asking now i will say to go on your side here 
Jonathan Taylor as a rookie. So we just brought up those middle, uh, you know, he had the five point and the five point game after um, his his bye week. That's when everyone kind of gave up on him. It was just really Let those two games. That, it was uh, it was those two out of three games that really killed him where you just like felt like he had such a bad season. But he only had 20% of his games last year as a rookie, um, as an RB3 or worse, which is the, you know, the bust status. And when you're comparing that to others, Henry has had 29% of his games over the last two seasons as bust weeks. And he scored 17 and 16 rushing touchdowns during those seasons. Like if those rushing touchdowns come down, he is in big trouble. And I think that's probably the reason why Jake and I both have him ranked a little bit. You know, he was RB3 last year. I have him ranked as eight. Uh, Jake has him ranked as seven. Like, is that your reasoning for Henry a little bit lower? It's just kind of like it It felt disrespectful to rank him any lower than that. But also, <laughs> I can't do that with a guy who's not guaranteed 40 to 50 targets, and he's not. Yeah. He's just not. And as as much as it pains me, I don't invest that heavily into uh, so as much of a bulldozer as he is. If you are purely a rusher and I can't count on you to get any receptions, then I can't go any higher than that. Yeah, I agree. Moving on to RB6. Now, we went through a lot of these guys already um, going through the rest of our list here. But RB6, Jake has Derrick Henry, which I said. Kate has Austin Eckler. And now I have Ezekiel Elliott. So I'm the highest on Ezekiel Elliott. This is the first time we're mentioning him tonight um, through our rankings here. And when I'm looking at you two, you both have him at RB9. I have him at RB6. No, I, I keep going back to that bus list, right? But Zeke over the last two years was at 19% bus games. Kamara's at 17 to compare. And that's over the last two seasons. But if you're only looking at the games with uh, Dak Prescott, 2019 season through week five, 2022, 2020 season before Dak's injury, Zeke was at a 5% bust rate. 5%. That's equal to CMC and uh, Dalvin Cook, who's at 4%. So he's right in that group. When Dak Prescott's on the field and Zeke, he is an absolute monster. He gets so many touches. He looks like he's came, like, it's going to be that whole hard knocks bump up, but he actually, I mean, he looks really fit. He looks like he lost weight, um, which can help with his speed. Uh, I do just think him and Dak are just besties, and Zeke maybe got into They that. literally are besties. They are besties. No, if, I'm saying... Are we watching Hard Knocks? Yeah, yes. but... Uh, also, I think just Zeke got into that mindset last year. Like, we're not we're not winning. Like, we're not going to win without Dak. Why put my body on line? And maybe that's the wrong mindset, and maybe he's being selfish in some ways. But, you know, it's not something that we can say we would do either. Put our bodies on the line for a team that's not going to win with Andy Dalton, who was terrible. Like... So I, I do believe with Dak Prescott back, all of his scoring, this team is going to score so many points. They have so many weapons. And even last year with all of their weapons, he still got 80 targets, right? Like he was close to 80 targets. He's still going to be utilized in the passing game. He's going to have so many touchdown opportunities with Dak and that whole team. Like I, Zeke at RB6, I feel like could even be too low, but I will be happy taking Ezekiel in the backhand of the first round because that's where he's going. Well, and I think uh, another, like, underrated storyline maybe has been Zeke's presence, like, uh, through a whole off-season program. So 
Um, he's had several situations that have either kept him out of off-season programs or he's held out of off-season programs. I want to say this is the second off-season program he's literally been fully present from like start to finish. Um, so that does have to probably help with your conditioning. That does help with your team chemistry. That help. I mean, like you want your starters present on the field. Um, and I do think that that, that does help. Something that I think is so incredible, and I, I like can't get over this this split here. In the five games that Ezekiel Elliott had with Dak Prescott, he was averaging 23 fantasy points per game. That is freaking insane. He averaged 6.6 targets per game with Dak Prescott. And that's that's with like CeeDee Lamb being a a productive fantasy football rookie. He was averaging literally just one one rushing touchdown per game. So, so let me you ask math you this then. That's 16 rushing touchdowns per game. So you have him ranked behind Aaron Jones. You have him ranked behind Jonathan Taylor. You have him ranked behind Najee Harris. Jake has him ranked behind Jonathan Taylor and Derek Henry and Aaron, well behind Eric, Aaron Jones. When you say that all, and I just said my things, like how, how? You know he's going to have 300 touches. You know he's fantastic with Dak Prescott. You know he never busts, like, very, very rarely with Dak Prescott. And you know his ceiling's super high in any given week. Like, how are you ranking him behind these guys that we've never seen do it yet? It is like a mental block for me with him because all I've seen throughout his entire career is all of his efficiency metrics go down. From his rookie season to now, they have just gone down, 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 down. And obviously last year, there's a lot of excuse for that because of the situation with Dak and the team as a whole. But like even before that, that was all happening. His yards per attempt, his yards per target, his yards per target, all of it has just been steadily decreasing. And I wonder, you know, after five really tough seasons on a running back like that, like are we ever going to get back to his 27 heyday? And I, I don't know if I'm prepared to allow that as an option right now. And I think that the guys ahead of him have a little bit more upside than he does. From a safety perspective, you know, we talked about Aaron Jones being safe. I think Zeke is actually probably safer. It's just tough for me to, to bump him up. All right, all right, that's Zeke fair. is like so safe. Pulling up uh, his fantasy total since the 2019 season, RB1 in nearly 50% of your fantasy games. Um, he's been very, like last season is really the first time we've seen any health issues with him too, which I think is really incredible considering his like overall touch totals. Um, if he enters this season more fit and, and, you know, healthy, I mean, I literally, I did, I bumped him down in my rankings because of just, I don't know why I don't, I, I like, <laughs> Oh, now that I'm on this podcast I yeah you'll move him up after this crap we gotta move on on to our rb7 rb7 through nine we've actually already talked about all of these guys so let me just go through them really quickly rb7 for me was aaron jones for jake was austin eckler for kate derrick henry rb8 for me michelle was derrick henry for jake was jonathan taylor for kate was aaron jones rb9 for me was Najee harris jake zeke elliott and Kate Zigalit, you guys agreed there. Gotta and then RB10, here's where we get into some more new names. Wow. I had Jonathan Taylor. We already talked about him. Jake, Jake, 
Jake, Jake, Jake. Oh, Jake. Chris Carson. Yeah. You have Chris Carson at 10. This is literally not a surprise I'm to me whatsoever. I'm going to need to hear. Uh, You've heard it already. We do not have him there. And then Kate has Nick Chubb at 10. Shell Bell, we've already heard this argument. He's He literally has a standing segment on the Ball Blast Fantasy yeah. Football Podcast. Literally devoted to Chris Carson. Okay, so Chris Carson. One per episode. Yeah. I get to talk about Chris Carson. <laughs> so just very quickly hit on him then. You have an RB10. Neither Kate and I have him close to that, you know. We respect Chris Carson, but I even have him outside mm-hmm. my top 15, you know. He's like at RB17. Sure. I, I think he's going to be he's gonna be good. But um, Rashad Penny does worry me a little bit now that he's healthy. I still think Chris Carson is going to be more than more than solid. For fantasy, but I would not want him as my RB one. And if you're ranking him inside your top twelve, you're saying you'd be happy with him as your RB one. So tell me about that. I'd be happy with him, but I love knowing that I don't have to do that, and he can easily be my two or three, um, depending on how the draft falls. And then it's a smash for me. But you know, last year was his worst year by far with an RB nineteen overall finished, and he missed four games, and he was struggling with injuries in a couple of those. And um, so the brief version. Before and after injury, he was great. No matter what de- what style of offense the Seahawks ran, if they were pass-heavy, run-heavy, he was great. The offense runs through him, I think, more than people acknowledge. Um, I love his comfort in knowing that he's going to get 275 total touches pretty easily. And his touchdown upside in that offense is fantastic. And he does get the targets constantly. And I'm not worried about Rashad Penny. I think he basically takes over Carlos Hyde's role more from last year, which was not worrisome to any Carson <laughs> managers out there. So I love him. It's so hard for me to drop him down 10. Honestly, it was close, though. I almost had my 11 and 10 swapped, but I had to do my guy Carson a solid. Yeah, I'm a little shocked that you'd pick Chris Carson over Najee Harris. I think Najee Harris just has a much safer role where he doesn't have to split the backfield whatsoever. And we did see before Penny's injury. Now it's been two seasons, so it's been a really long time. I mean, those two games before, Rashad Penny and Chris Carson were actually like splitting 50-50. Rashad Penny was looking very, you know, talented, and he was doing his thing out there. They're saying he looks like he's fully back, like he's finally fully back from this injury. He took the whole year off last year. We'll see what happens. This is still clearly Chris Carson's backfield. Don't get me wrong. And I still have Chris Carson ranked well, well, well ahead of Rashad Penny. I'm happy to take Chris Carson as my RB2. Um, I just can't. I can't get him in there as my RB1. Now, Kate, you have the, you're the highest on Nick Chubb. Not by a lot. Jake has Nick Chubb at RB12, so you guys aren't that different. I don't have Nick Chubb in my top 12, but we discussed this on a recent pod, um, why that is. I will not be shocked at all if Nick Chubb ends in the top 12. Don't get me wrong. Like, he's like my RB14. Um, I just, I don't like the target upside, and I don't like that he has to split a backfield with Cream Hunt. Um, and you're just depending on touchdowns far too much for me. But he's a fantastic running back. So can I can I give you uh, one solid piece of information with Jake? I think you will appreciate. So uh, Nick Chubb has finished as a top uh, ten running back in each of the last two seasons, despite the fact he only played twelve games in twenty twenty. Pretty incredible that he still finished uh, ahead of Kareem Hunt, who played all sixteen games 
by 0.2 fantasy football points. I love it. He scored four more points per game. That's, I mean, it's crazy. When Nick Chubb is on the field, you have to love his upside because, like, when you're looking at just his ability as a rusher, it's really hard to find a better, like, just pure running back in the NFL. The, the receiving upside is difficult, but they've got, you know, a, an overall efficient offense. I think they've got a talented enough receiving core. I think they've got enough talent across the board, and especially on defense. Like, they have the defensive tools to be able to run the ball and just possess the clock. Um, that's all in their favor. But Nick Chubb, uh, not only has he done it already, but he is one of just three running backs in the 2020 season to play fewer than 13 games, but still rank in the top 20 in half PPR formats. Whoa. Do you know Dang. the other two? If trivia is any indication from the top of this episode, <laughs> I don't know anything. So. so Nick Chubb obviously is one of the three. Uh, the next is Chris Carson, who also ranked, uh, he was the RB17 and played 12 games. Last but not least, this one is going to catch your pants on fire. David Johnson, RB19, played 12 games in 2020. That is wow. really surprising and very weird. Um, I mean, David Johnson, like, it's going to be a giant fire of poo. Um, in Houston, uh, shout out to Houston. We're moving there next week. Can't wait to move into the fire of poo. Um, but I do think that, uh, maybe he is going to emerge from fantasy drafts. Like he's not going to be a high upside guy that you want, but I mean, the offense was poo last year. Obviously they had a better quarterback. I want to just show people how important or like how important it is to grab a Kelsey Kittle or Waller in this in like this year's draft and maybe we're all how just going because this... you're showing me David Johnson right now who played 12 games he scored 163 points in half PPR leagues Robert Tunyon Tunyon who was the tight end 3 last year scored 150 points 13 wow. fewer points than David Johnson who is the RB19, who y'all regard as poo. Tight end three, scored 13 fewer points, and he played a full 16 games compared to David Johnson's 12. And wow, that's like just it. like the difference between these positions. You got to get one of the elite guys. It's such a difference maker. It's insane. That's actually crazy. Yes. Uh, you stole my narrative yeah, of Sorry. David Johnson being a, a potential value in fantasy it, football drafts, but that was worth it. Yes, it was. Uh, okay. <laughs> Can I say one thing quick about Chubb yes. before we move off of the Chubb entirely? I'd like to stay That's on the Chubb for just a few more <laughs> seconds. How said. many more times can I say Chubb? Uh, I actually think an underrated element to him this year is not only Kareem Hunt in that backfield, but actually the return of Odell Beckham. And Michelle, I know you don't love Odell Beckham, but strictly for what he does to cap his upside there in that offense, like... If he comes back and keeps seeing the same level of targets from Baker that he was prior, it doesn't look really that good for Nick Chubb. Like, his splits in and out are, I mean, it's not like it's going to derail him by any means, but he saw 18.5 points per game without Odell, and that dropped to 15.5 with. So, like, just factor that in, and that cuts into his upside. Do you want to know why that actually is? And I'm not even kidding. Like, this is going to seem like a joke. It's because they turn over the ball so much when Odell Beckham is on the field. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> it seems like a 
a joke, but it's the truth. Baker Mayfield's in- interceptions with and without Odell on the field is absurd. Absurd. So sense. guess what? The running back can't run as much. He can't score as much when the team is turning the ball over nonstop because you have a terrible <laughs> connection between your quarterback and wide receiver. As a Steelers fan, I cannot wait for Odell Beckham to be back on this field for the Browns because he destroys their team. Destroys it. Okay, I do want to say one more thing. Can I just say one more thing um, on the David Johnson topic? Uh, I just pulled up his ADP per Fantasy Pros. It gives you like the consensus ranking. We're across... off the walls here. Wait. We are no, but David <laughs> this Johnson. This better be a fantastic stat. This is the Running Back Podcast, Michelle Majuk. He averaged 15 PPR points per game. David Johnson was an RB1 in 42% of fantasy uh, in his active games Do you want to know a better stat? Wait, go back to 2019 with David Johnson. Just go back to 2019. This is blowing my mind hole, by the way. Okay, this is amazing. David Johnson, you go back to 2019. 2019 to 2020. There's a bit of a dead space Um, here. (laughs) He hasn't been fantastic for fantasy, right? He has been, uh, he has 48% of his games as bus games. Not great. Like, that's not good at all. Get out your bingo cards, guys. Joe Mixon has more bus games. I didn't even set that up. David Johnson. (laughs) 50% of Joe Mixon's games are bus games. And since 2019, David Johnson's only at 48%. That's amazing. That is amazing. Uh, so this stat brought to you courtesy of the Cincinnati Bengals. Go draft David Johnson instead of Joe Mixon. <laughs> and I, I was going to bring up Joe He's Mixon. He's being drafted as the RB33. Before we get too derailed here, 33. Joe Mixon is going to be brought up anyway, so we might as well talk about him. He's not in <laughs> He's not in our top 12, none of us. So we all, we do not have him in the top 12. We know he's going to have top probably five running back touches this year. Like if he stays healthy, he's going to see top five RB touches and we don't even have him in our top 12. That's kind of to show how bad he is efficiency wise. But I wanted to get into that a little bit because when we're talking about bus game percentages, I already got into cook 4% CMC 5% Camara 17%. This is the last two seasons. It does not include games that they missed. So nothing about injuries matters. Does not include games. They missed. You got Taylor as a rookie, 20%. Aaron Jones, 23%. Keep going to list down the list. You got Chubb at 32%. Mixon is at 50%. 50%. That is more than double of Aaron Jones. Um, That's almost double of Austin Eckler, who's at 27%. So one in every two games that you play Joe Mixon, you're going to cry. Have fun with that. Also, I realized, I think last weekend, I, or last week, I can't remember what I said was like your free shot at bingo. It's Joe Mixon, yeah, actually. Yeah, free shot. Uh, all right, moving on. The middle space. We just went through our RB10. We're going to RB11. Now, Kate and I both have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as our RB11. Jake, you have Najee Harris, who we already talked about. Jake, you do not have Clyde in your top 12. Do you have him close to that, or is he just really far out of it? No, I actually have him very close. Uh, he is RB15 for me in my ranking, so it's not like he's wildly down that list. And actually, he is just one spot behind Joe Mixon currently, and they could be flip-flopped, and it wouldn't really matter for me, honestly. I view them uh, as very comparable for this year. Yeah, and I, I think last year when we saw him without Le'Veon Bell, he actually led the league in scrimmage rides. 
from weeks one through six, he was the leader in the whole NFL in scrimmage yards. They added Le'Veon Bell, and it is what it is. His touches went way, way down. And they added him for whatever reason. They they believed they were a Super Bowl winning team, which they came very close to it. They added a guy who they thought was possibly a superstar. It did not work out because Le'Veon Bell is done. But it, it ruined Clyde Edwards Hilaire's, um, you know, season. He did struggle to get into the end zone. Hopefully that changes. But he's going to have plenty of scoring opportunities. There's no other running back in the backfield that really is going to challenge him for touches whatsoever. And really no other running back that's going to challenge him around the goal line, even if he does struggle. And when you're talking about targets, like he had 54 targets last year while sharing the backfield with Le'Veon Bell and while missing three full games. Like he only played 13 games. 54 targets is fine. The biggest issue is he only caught 67% of his passes, but he didn't have very many drops. I think it was like one or two drops. They just weren't connecting. Patrick Mahomes and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, like I I expect that to change. Like Mahomes will figure it out. And when you're looking at the the games he actually did play, like a, a decent amount right in the middle of that season, weeks two through 13, two through 14, um, he was on pace for 73 targets, 426 receiving yards. That's pretty decent. His touchdowns need to go up. He's in a fantastic offense. So I'm fine to take a shot on him as my RB11. And, you know, it, it's, it's risky. He's one, of the, he's one of the ones I'm most worried about in my top 12 here. But if he hits, he's going to hit big. Yeah, I'm actually kind of worried about Jarek McKinnon. Are you really? Dare I say his name? Yeah, I'm actually worried about Jarek McKinnon. The thing is, from the targets perspective, I'm just worried about him leeching targets because he, weirdly enough, Jarek McKinnon had like a handful of RB1 weeks last year and borderline RB2 weeks, like right in that weird spot to start the season. And then he just dropped off a cliff because he basically, his legs died halfway through the year. That's what's going to happen every year. But but Pat Mahomes has even said effusive things about it. Wait, no, he literally got a diagnosis of tired legs. Didn't and guess he? what? You can go. I actually I think so. when I posted my tweet um, a few weeks ago saying like don't take uh, practice reports too seriously. Oh, uh, Jarek McKinnon was in there from last year. Uh, Jarek McKinnon looks Is amazing. He He's gonna be such an, a huge part of this offense. And it's like he did nothing. He to did be nothing. Fair, he was until he got tired legs. Okay. Mahomes has been effusive about him, is all I'm saying. So the quarterback is saying nice things. I'm just worried he could, you know, siphon off a little bit. Yeah, I'm not worried about it whatsoever. And every one of these guys that we've talked about all have, you know, Anthony McFarland for Najee Harris has had the most glowing reviews in practice. Like, there's always going to be another running back who has amazing reviews who's going to see snaps. Like, I promise you Najee Harris will not see even 80% of the RB snaps. Like, it's not going to happen because no running back does unless your name is CMC. Like, that's the only way you're hitting 80% and everyone else is going to be splitting a backfield in some some way. Like, you're going to be off on a bench at some point in the, in the game. So... That's, you know, I see Jarek McKinnon the same way I see Anthony McFarlane, which is not a threat whatsoever, but he's going to get some snaps and maybe he can be useful in uh, some games, but you're never going to be able to pick out those games whatsoever. Like he'll end as an RB2 in some weeks, right? Or maybe even a possible RB1. (laughs) But if you pick out that game, then good for you. You deserved to win that week. But also let's not underestimate, like these guys are good generally for the starters. If you're... Uh, coming in and like taking some of those snaps away. You do want guys uh, to keep your fantasy assets fresh. So like if Jarek McKinnon does come in and 
relieves uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire uh, for, you know, four or five carries a game. Yeah, I'm fun. I'm very happy with that. Like, please. And the the snaps between the twenties are far less valuable than the snaps once you get towards the goal line. And I don't see Jarek McKinnon being in there once you get towards that end zone. So I, I'm not worried about it whatsoever. And then our RB12. Uh, I'm the only one that is going to name someone that we haven't mentioned yet. So, And I have Antonio Gibson as my RB12, which I think is too low, yet you guys don't have him in your top 12 at all. Uh, I like really want to move Antonio Gibson up my board. I just can't figure it out. I might move him up over Clyde Edwards-Alaire and be okay with that, but it, it's hard for me to get him over anybody else there. And then, Jake, you have Nick Chubb, which we already talked about, and Kate has Saquon Barkley, which we already talked about, RB12. With Antonio Gibson, I want to know why you guys have him so low because dude's pretty good. Can I just say your definition of so low for me could not be more of a misnomer because he is my RB13. Okay. It's literally him, Mixon, and then CEH. So he just missed the cut. And I tried so hard to stuff him inside the top 12 because I love him. And I I blame Kate. I blame Kate because she talked about J.D. McKissick so yeah, much in that one episode. And I think it wormed its way into my head. Like, what if he doesn't see the targets? Because that's what he needs still to bump him up into that level for me. Uh, and I think that it happens. I'm just, you know, there's a little bit of hesitancy. All right. All right. He did finish as the RB12 last year in his rookie season. Only played 14 games. Without CMC or Saquon playing the whole season, though. That's my... Only caveat. Okay, that's fair, but there will be other running backs that get hurt for sure. But no, I mean we are we are projecting everyone out for a full season, so that is fair not to have him in your top twelve. But he was RB twelve last year. He missed two games. He only played forty five percent of the snaps, and he was still the RB twelve. Still averaged a very respectable thirteen point two fantasy points per game. So this is my issue, Michelle. You literally. Um, your you have pace... to expect his forty-five percent to go up. They're talking, Michelle, talking him up all off-season, saying he's you going have to be to the lead back to by go, far. You have to expect it to go up, but I can't expect his efficiency not to go down tremendously. So, um, shout out to Kyle Yates. He's with Fantasy Pros. He has this amazing projection draft tool where he calculated um, average like rushing yards per touchdown rate. Uh, average running back receiving yards per touchdown rate. He did all of these amazing rates. Uh, Antonio Gibson was literally on double the pace for what he should have been based on the like average production of a fantasy running back last season. He doubled it. And you might not expect him. He had. Wait, hold on. So you might not expect his efficiency to stay the same, but you have to expect the touches. Do you expect to stay his volume to double? It doesn't even have to double. Like, he scored 11 rushing touchdowns. I don't think that's that crazy when he's the clear cut. He's going to be the only running back in at the goal line. Like, McKissick's not coming in at the goal line whatsoever. Peyton Barber's not coming uh, in at the goal line. But, no, Michelle, Peyton Barber did But he's come not going in to come this year. Line. He was the rookie. Like, he's not going to. Michelle, why, then why not just use him as the goal line running back? Go to the end of the year. Peyton Barber didn't get any touches when you're, like, Antonio Gibson missed some games, if you're including those games, but he missed three games. And Peyton Barber got some carries inside the five to begin the season. Once Antonio Gibson hit that, you know, week six, week seven, he was the only goal line back. 
And he's really good. Ryan Fitzpatrick, five goal line sneaks for touchdowns coming up just to vulture those away from Boom, baby. When we're talking about, I I talked about before, fantasy points per touch. And if you increase that minimum from 100 to 150, this is who you're looking at as the top guys for fantasy points per touch. It's Alvin Kamara, number one. Aaron Jones, number two. Nick Chubb, number three. Antonio Gibson, number four. And then you got Dalvin Cook at number five. Jonathan Taylor at number six. That is a good group to belong to. Mm. And you might, okay, say those touchdowns go down a bit, but you should say that for everyone then. Alvin Kamara scored 21 touchdowns last year. Nick Chubb scored a gazillion touchdowns for the games he played. Uh, Jonathan Taylor scored a ton of touchdowns at the end of the season. Like You have to take away everyone's touchdowns then in their percentage if you don't want to count Antonio Gibson's 11 as a rookie. Like. Uh, I do think no, it's uh, but I'm saying like the touchdown rate that they performed at is much more equivalent to the amount of touches they received. But you like no they, one's going to give Antonio Gibson that same rate. You're not going to be like, no. Oh, I'm not see no. More. You're going to give him that same no, rate. No, Michelle, it's I'm like not, he can score 11 touchdowns because his. I'm just saying that his rate going to increase. His if you're going to account for um, like a, a regression in his efficiency. You do need to essentially double his workload, which I'm not ready to do. So where do you have Antonio Gibson? Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. I have him at... Don't you scroll too far down that list. <laughs> RB16. You have an RB15. Oh, okay. Oh, RB15. Oh, even a little bit better. We're not even so gonna, you're really not that we're far. We're not going to talk about who she is at 13 because I'm going to let her fix that um, before we ever um, post that in life because that's disgusting. To be clear, I these are my projections and I did... I hope it's David Johnson. No. Is it David Johnson? It's, it's Please way let worse David, David Johnson. Johnson. Um, no, we're not going to talk about it because I'm guessing it's an error, hopefully. Okay. Uh, before we end it's today's... <laughs> before we end today's show, is there anyone else you wanted to bring up that you couldn't fit inside your top 12 that you wish you could or, um, you know, a player that you kind of want to get out of here because uh, you're too nervous, Jake? I'm actually interested to ask you, Michelle, as the David Montgomery truther, I think, of the group, where he fell outside of this top 12. Is he close to the top 12 for you? He is, and I wanted to get him in the top 12 so, so bad. He's right behind Antonio Gibson for me. So right there at the RB13, I I don't know. Like I can't get him in there. I don't understand why, because I think he's going to get a massive workload this year, and I think he's going to... Um, get the same amount of target share because Terry Cohen is not even close to coming back. Like, I'm not worried about him at all. Uh, I just, I think I'm a little bit nervous. This is finally the season for Damian Williams to break out. Yeah. I'm so excited. (laughs) I I guess I'm just a little bit nervous about this offense with Andy Dalton. We saw Zeke die with Andy Dalton. Uh, If Justin Fields comes in, then, yeah, it's better for the offense and scoring opportunities, but then he's going to take rushing opportunities away. I don't know. I just don't know how many touchdowns he's going to score. Will I be surprised? That was my issue. Yeah. Because I have him at RB17, and I thought, like, well, if I toss on an extra couple of touchdowns, he can very well sniff that top 12, but I just, like, I, I can't force it, and it, it worries me that I'm too low on him, and I probably am. Yeah, I'm worried I'm too low on him, too, because I've been talking him up, and it's almost like I wanted to force it, and I can't. Like, it, it's just, it's not working. I would rather take the guys I mentioned over him. And then even, like, right behind him, I have DeAndre Swift, 
who I mentioned in my trivia question, like, I, I feel like DeAndre Swift does have a much higher ceiling than David Montgomery, even though I say that, and he was the RB5 last year, David Montgomery, so he has a high ceiling. And then if you're also looking at Nick Chubb, like, yeah, he has a split of backfield, but he's much more efficient than David Montgomery and should score more touchdowns. The great thing about David Montgomery is you can grab him at the end of the third round, and all of these guys we talked about are going to be long, 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 long gone. Uh, so you don't have to worry about it. How yeah. long? Long, 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 long gone. So you could, take, you could take David Montgomery, who should be easily a top 15 running back, and you're getting him well after all of these running backs are gone. So he's still one of my favorite values in the draft. I just can't rank him in the side of the top 12 right now. That's all. Sounds like a commitment problem to me. And then one other guy I wanted to bring up before we leave here, because Daryl Henderson, I really believe, has This top, was the guy on my sheet. Yeah, Daryl Henderson has top 12 talent. Um, I can't rank him inside there because we just don't know what the touches are going to look like. He said trouble staying healthy. But, Kate, you want to give us your reasons why you like Daryl Henderson? I've already talked about Daryl Henderson, like, a, a decent amount on this podcast. We all know that I like him, um, like, I love in him, general. I so better. You, I super-duper love him. <laughs> um, we, like, we are a Daryl Henderson hashtag bingo card kind of podcast. Um, I've already been like a big fan of his efficiency. I mean, we had um, Sean McVay come out and literally say like the issue is not his talent. It's we want to keep him healthy. We want to keep him on the field. And obviously that has been an issue, right? But looking back, we have seen him be incredibly efficient throughout his career. He was overly efficient in college. And um, in the, the games that he played, right around slash under uh, 50% of offensive snaps, he was an RB1 in three out of seven games before the Cam Akers breakout. Pretty impressive for a guy that's not necessarily getting a ton of touches. Now you literally force him in to the RB1 role. I think Sean McVay is probably going to be cautious about his touches, but He's got touchdown upside, and I think he is one of these players that um, he's not—he's not a volume guy. He's an efficiency guy. He's kind of like an Aaron Jones type, where you're not banking on volume; you're banking on his touches to be very high quality touches. He can find the end zone. But I don't know why it's fair to say he's not a volume guy. The one game they actually gave him volume when Malcolm Brown was kind of not in the game too much, and Cam Akers was out. It, 20 carries, 114 yards, 5.7 yards per carry. Like, he did fantastic. And I'm not saying – I'm saying he doesn't need volume. I'm yeah. not saying he's not capable of handling volume. I'm saying that he is just overall an efficient rusher. I mean, I think his yards per carry in college was something insane. Like, he averaged eight yards per carry, which generally might Ooh. not translate super well to the NFL. But if you manage his touches properly, I think he could be – a super high upside guy and he's I feel like the hype's dying down a bit and where the reports coming out of camp is they're running a lot of um screenplays they're trying to get screenplays back into this offense like they they pass Todd Gurley a ton Daryl Henderson's a fantastic pass catcher and he's so good in space he's going to make that first guy miss he's elusive if they start adding him into this passing offense he's going to be a top 12 guy it's just like will they actually end up doing it 
And I truly believe wherever you had Cam Akers ranked should be where you at least have Daryl Henderson ranked. Like believing that Cam Akers is a better talent than Daryl Henderson is just you being very, very, very stubborn because you can look at every stat in the entire world last year and Daryl Henderson was better than him in every single stat, every single advanced stat. There is not anything that Cam Akers Except did better. Except I want to say I missed forced tackles per touch. I want to say. By like .01. Yeah. Something like that. No, damn it. The whole world, yeah. the whole world of stats no. is what we agreed but upon. Like, you're just being stubborn at that point. And now the reason why you might have Daryl Henderson higher than Cam Akers, not only because he performed better, uh, and scored more fantasy points when he was the starter, but also because now he doesn't have to split a backfield with Cam Akers. Cam Akers is going to have to split time with Daryl Henderson. Now, you know, you have Xavier Jones there and Jake, Jake Funk. Funk. Like they're going to name. they're going to take snaps. Don't get me wrong. Like all of these kids can't go to wow, wow. they can't all go to Daryl Henderson, <laughs> but that's the difference between the two. I still have them ranked pretty similarly. I have Daryl Henderson at RB17. I had Cam Akers at RB18 before his injury, so pretty similar there, but wherever you had Akers ranked should be where you have Henderson. I'm going to start calling you Jake Funk. Jake no, his Funk. name is Jacqueline. Uh, but I already have... Wait. Oh, I have so many nicknames <laughs> on this podcast that I didn't realize until this very moment. <laughs> Your name's Jacqueline. Shut up, uh, Funk. All right. This was another long episode. Our rankings are hard to get through quickly. but uh, Supersized, we call yeah. it. It's a supersized episode. We're trying to get you ready for your fantasy draft. So hopefully you learned something today. As always, thank you for tuning into the show. Uh, make sure to give us that nice five-star review if you're so kind. And then also, don't forget to check out our Ball Blast Fantasy Guide fantasy draft guide that we just dropped today go to ballblastfootball.com merch store and our draft is right there for you to buy nine dollars and 99 cents as always you can find me on twitter at ballblastem ballblastem you can find me on twitter at ffballblast and for the record, I think it's better to say like nine ninety nine than nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Yeah, it was weird. It was what awkward. a dork! <laughs> it was weird coming. Nine dollars ninety nine cents. I don't want people to think it's like nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. I don't think anybody's going to mistake that, <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, where oh can we find goodness. you on I, Twitter? I, I, I'm Jake, and you can find me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. That's literally what I'm nervous about is $9.99. That we're going to think it's $9.99. $9.99? Are you out of your mind? Okay, and with that, uh, we're going to leave, y'all. Uh, peace out. We'll see you at the Goodbye. Expo, guys. We will talk to you next Thursday. Jake, we're going to have to do something live for the fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have to post something live. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah. Bye, y'all. We'll do it. Bye. Bye. I just need to come up for air. Tell me real slow, where should I go to make the right calls? Ball West for a ball.